Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to China Corner Office, a podcast produced in partnership with SupChina, featuring conversations with business leaders from around the world about the challenges and opportunities of doing business in China, the world's most dynamic economy. I'm Chris Marquis, a professor of business at Cornell, where I teach and research on this same topic. Every episode, we talk to an executive at a company doing business in China and explore what has led to their personal and business success and also some of the challenges they've encountered along the way. With geopolitical tensions between the U.S. and China on the rise, understanding how business can compete in China is more important than ever. If you're interested in doing business in China or are looking for insights to adjust your current business strategy, this is the show for you. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're talking to Tao Zhang, co-founder of Dow Foods International, a cross-border investment venture that invests in eco-friendly plant-based and clean meat in China. Tao is also founder and managing director of Dow Ventures, an impact investment, advisory, and accelerator group with headquarters in both China and the U.S. Under its umbrella, Dow Ventures includes the China Impact Fund, the first fund to specialize in supporting environmentally focused small and medium-sized enterprises in China. Tao received a BA from Beijing Foreign Studies University, an MBA from Wake Forest, and an MPA from the Harvard Kennedy School. Tao, welcome to China Corner Office. Thanks for having me, Chris. Great. Uh, so, you know, really excited to learn learn about Dow Foods. But before diving into that, you know, you have such a long-standing experience in the impact uh, investing space in China. I'd love to just start with that. You know, you were a real pioneer. You know, the China uh, Impact Fund, I think, Thanks. was established almost ten years old or ten years ago now. So, would love to just learn what motivated you to get into this uh, to get into this industry. Sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks again, Chris. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, good to um, have this opportunity to share my experience and perspectives, especially on impact investing, China-focused uh, impact investing with the audience. So um, more than 10 years ago, I was traveling extensively in China for my business and uh, uh, very shocked to see the level of pollution that was starting to grab media headlines, uh, especially in northern China, actually especially in Beijing and my hometown province, Hebei province. So I decided to uh, uh, push the pause button 
uh, in my business and went to enroll in the mid-career MPA program at the Harvard Kennedy School. It was, it was at the Harvard Kennedy School where I first came across the concept of impact investing. The concept immediately uh, registered with me as I was uh, seeking uh, something that could professionally leverage both my experience in the business world and my public service background since I used to work uh, for the Xinhua News Agency, my first job okay. uh, out of college uh, in China. Uh, that, that explains why not long afterwards, I got to lead New Ventures and Impact Accelerator housed at the uh, World Resources Institute headquarters in Washington, D.C. Uh, so uh, New Ventures supported the environmental small and medium-sized enterprises, uh, mainly in Brazil, China, Colombia, India, Indonesia, and Mexico. And it also at WI were in very incubated, uh, you know, China's first impact fund called China Impact Fund. Uh, and in 2012, New Ventures uh, successfully transitioned out of WI with the objective of giving all local uh, centers uh, independence to move in their next phase of development. Uh, around uh, around the same time, like I said, you know, with uh, initial support from a Hong Kong-based family office. Um, and a few high net worth individuals in mainland China. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, first of the China Impact Fund was incubated at WI, but, uh, you know, I became one of the co-founders of uh, uh, China Impact Fund as China's first impact uh, investing vehicle for environmental SM SMEs. So a couple of years later, Dow Ventures was formed as uh, China-US consortium of various impact entities, including uh, the China Impact Fund to encompass both China-based and, and cross-border impact investing. So long story short, that's how I got into the field of impact investing. Would you mind just saying a little bit about some of the early days at China Impact Fund? I mean, as you mentioned, you know, you were traveling around and there was pollution. You know, I was in China a lot around those time period. Right. Uh, you know, the the air apocalypse, sort of the famous, exactly. you know, yeah. you know, over over a thousand, uh, you know, on the AQI. Uh, so I'm curious. So the investors that invested initially and then the companies that you would go and sort of, you know, see if they wanted your investment. You know, what was the reception in those early days? At the initial phase, you know, because the impact investing was still a new concept. So we gradually uh, kind of roll out China Impact Fund in a way that uh, we focus on, uh, focus on investing, selecting a few, um, a few environmental SMEs that have been, uh, that been through the new ventures, you know, the acceleration process, you know, companies that we are very familiar with. And the founders that, uh, you know, we, uh, we also knew very well. Uh, we knew these founders have the so-called impact DNA, uh, that uh, we, uh, uh, we think is very important to, uh, impact mentors we want to support. So, uh, we selected a few, uh, environmental SMEs that have already gone through the, the, uh, acceleration process, uh, um, uh, in, on, on the new venture side, new ventures China side. And of course, we also, um, uh, already knew these founders like uh, for quite a few years. Uh, so that's why we selected a few of them into this, uh, you know, China Impact Fund portfolio. Uh, but still early, you know, impact investing is still a new concept at that time. Uh, but at least, you know, the, the entrepreneurs we work with, they, they, they were pretty much uh, familiar with what we are trying to achieve. 
Great. Any sort of you know example that stands out of companies that you sort of invested in early and have gone to on to grow and you have a big impact on them? Yeah, you know, so there's one company in the portfolio called Sinan Intech. So uh, basically, uh, it's, it's like industrial, like uh, water uh, and energy efficiency company. So they provided, you know, water and energy efficiency uh, solutions to, uh, you know, big companies like uh, uh, Sinopec, you know, uh, uh, you know, China, um, uh, uh, Sino, Sinopec, companies like that. So they, they, they pretty much, uh, you know, um, they pretty much, uh, you know, have all the state owned companies in the oil sector. Uh, in the natural gas sector uh, as their clients. Uh, when they started with us, uh, the annual revenue of Sunin Tech was only uh, like a few million RMB, uh, but now it's already like, uh, you know, hundreds, uh, a few hundreds of millions of uh, RMB kind of company, uh, kind of a pre-IPO company, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and and uh, Sunin Tech has been with us for more than, more than 10 years. Uh, well, close wow. to 10 years, I would say. If you count the the time they spend with New Ventures China, more than ten years. Wow, so that's a great uh, investment return eventually as well. I mean, you said it's pre IPO. At some point, I assume it'll either you'll sell it to some they'll sell it to someone or, or IPO. You know, we, yeah, we have yet to exit from the deal, but you know, uh, it looks like you know we, we're definitely gonna. Uh, have good financial returns on this uh, on this project for sure. For, for the investors that you, the LPs that you sort of sought out, w- was there much of that? You know, sort of like here's the return that we can get, um, sort of rationale and 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 case case that you'd give them, or was it mainly they were just thinking like, okay, this is something that you know, clearing up the pollution in China is important, or did they see? This is sort of the lo- a long-term thing that China has to deal with, so there's a big market for it. I think a little bit both, but about, at least initially, the the high net worth individuals we engaged uh, to support China Impact Fund, they are very much uh, impact oriented, so they understand there will be returns, but they are very much patient. So uh, and and they are willing to support us because because it's not that a big fund anyway. So they are wor- they, and they they understand we are trying to do is um you know kind of. Uh, um, you know, trying to experiment with this fund. Um, so they understand as the China's first impact fund, it's, it's okay to give us time to see how we're going to do, uh, with this fund, what kind of returns, uh, they're going to have uh, on the financial side. But more important, I think they, they were more, um, they were more interested in seeing what kind of impact we can, uh, uh, we can get out of this, uh, uh this investment vehicle. Uh, so it's, it's both, but, but I think, uh, definitely, you know, the, the, uh, the investors we engaged for this fund, uh, were mainly, you know, impact oriented and, and very much patient. Interesting. Do you think that's changed? I, I just actually was reading something recently, particularly in regards to, you know, President Xi's, uh, commitment by 2060 for China to be carbon neutral and in the new five-year plan, a lot of environmentally right. focused right. industries, right. that actually there's a big focus on ESG factors and potentially environmental investment. Is this something where, you know, I mean, obviously you guys are the pioneers where, you know, if you were to go out and pitch a fund today, you know, how would that change? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be different. You know, I think the so Based on this, uh, you know, carbon new- neutrality by 20, 2060, right, initiative, right. Uh, China needs to follow the 1.5, you know, degree uh, Celsius pathway and, and begin a national effort, a national effort earlier rather than later. 
So I, I would think that this ambitious initiative will spur investments in emissions producing projects or ventures in, in the following sector, like uh, including energy, now transportation, buildings, and, and, and of course, also agriculture and, and food uh, tax sectors. So for me, you know, uh, I think the, uh, uh, the, the, the opportunity, investment opportunities everywhere, but I think more on the energy, uh, transportation, buildings, uh, you know, sector, uh, you know, some of the state-owned companies will probably will take lead on, on these sectors. Uh, but I, as far as agriculture and food tax sectors are concerned, uh, I think this is also a, a very big, uh, big opportunity, you know, uh, from impact investment perspective. And this is something I think, you know, the private sector people can uh, probably focus their time and resources on uh, to, uh, to, to do a better job, I, I would think. So th- that's why, you know, like I have been, uh, from impact investment perspective, I've been mostly focused on uh, Dalfus International, uh, that we're going to talk about later um, over the yeah, past few years. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, to, to just dive into that right now. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, there's a number of different sectors that you know, if you want to actually focus on environmental sustainability, you know, where where a company could focus. And so, right, right. you know, I'd, I'd love to you know just learn a little bit more about you know why Dow Foods, you know, in particular, this idea of. Uh, you know, sort of alternatives to meat-based uh, protein. You know, I'm a, actually a vegetarian for a long yeah, time, you know, know 30 that. plus yeah. years, um, right. you know, vegan m- more recently. So I've been following this sector and find it, you know, really interesting. But, you know, when I visit China, you know, there is, aside from a tradition of Buddhist restaurants, right. there's, a, there's, I think, resistance a little bit to vegetarianism and people want to eat meat and think it's manly to eat meat and so men want to eat meat and so yeah. you know there's a lot of cultural cultural things going on so i'd love to right. you know hear more about why this is an important sector uh for environmental sustainability in china sure sure yeah be- before i jumped into that maybe i should share how i started uh, Dalfus international to begin with you know just some uh, uh background story so to speak yeah so uh basically like four years ago uh Approximately four years, like in February 2017, Albert Sung, my uh, classmates uh, from the Harvard Kennedy School and founder of Monspy Social uh, uh, Ventures. Monspy Social Ventures is also an impact investment investment vehicle uh, founded by Albert Sung. Uh, so, and and Albert came to DC for a meeting with Bruce, Bruce Friedrich, co-founder of the Good Food Institute. And, and, uh, the Good Food Institute is a U.S.-based nonprofit organization that promotes plant-based, uh, meat, dairy, and eggs, as well as, uh, uh, culture meat, uh, or, or cell-based meat as alternatives to the products of conventional animal agriculture. Uh, since Albert and I, you know, we share a passion for doing impact investing. So we had stayed in touch since graduation and, uh, have both been, uh, uh, doing uh, impact investing work, you know, from our own, own angles. So he asked me to join him for the meeting with, with Bruce. So this meeting turned out to be my epiphany moment, so to speak, um, where I fully understood the huge environmental impact alternative uh, uh, protein products could make. Uh, so according to the Food and Agriculture uh, Organization of the United Nations, Animal agriculture is responsible for at least 14.5% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And some organizations, you know, some sources have put that number even higher. 
but but anyway, based on this number, is more than all transportation combined in terms of、uh, you know greenhouse gas emissions. So and also fueled by rising incomes, meat consumption in China grew sevenfold over the over the you know the last uh, uh, four decades uh, or three thirty-five、uh, to forty-five forty、uh, years. On the whole, you know, China consumes twenty-eight percent of the world's meat, twice as much as the United States, and the figure is only set to increase.、Um, so, so I, I recall thinking to myself at that moment, this should be、uh, China's answer, and this is how Chinese consumers can be、uh, made part of、uh, China's environmental solution. And and born and growing up in China, you know, that in our country, the values food. Um, as integrated part of its culture, I, I know from the bottom of my heart that food could be the entry point from which to naturally change the behavior of China's mainstream consumers if if done correctly and intelligently. Because on the Darwinian side, you know, most of the environmental SMEs we have supported are more were more on the industrial side of things. So、uh, there are a few like、uh, only you know couple of like consumer oriented companies、uh, in in our portfolio. So,、um, this, but but I always been thinking about how to make Chinese consumers part of、uh, the country's environmental solution. So, and 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 this alternative protein products,、uh, based on my understanding of where China is going in terms of health,、uh, national protein security, uh, nutrition, uh, you know,、uh, lifestyle changes,、uh, and and not to mention the environmental concerns. I think you know all things are pointing in in the right direction. For alternative protein uh, uh, sector in China,、It's, it may take time, but you know、uh, it definitely will go through ups and downs. But I think that the the the, the macro direction is definitely there. Yeah, no, I I would I would agree with that. I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned you know these are products or that you're investing in the companies you're investing in are targeting Chinese consumers, and I think you know that's something where you know it's a very different sort of sale than a B two B. Transaction, and I'm curious, you know, what's your sense of how actually to convince the Chinese consumer? I mean, as you mentioned, you know, food is so important to the you know Chinese、um, uh, population. I mean, is it through taste?、Uh, is it through a sense of responsibility? Is it through price? You know, I'm really interested in、uh, you know how, how to actually convince the Chinese consumer. Right. I mean,、uh, environmental impact is you know is the key impact driver behind why we.、Uh, Why we founded Dalfus International to do what we do in the alternative protein sector, right?、Uh, but at the same time, you know, we don't want to impose our impact logic upon the heads of Chinese mainstream consumers. So at the end of the day, you know,、um, when Chinese mainstream consumers go and consume such food products, you know, taste, price, and convenience are still the top、uh, factors they uh, they uh, very much appreciate. And and the three top drivers that、uh, you know that、uh, compel them to uh, uh, to buy and and and、uh, consume you know food products. So there's no doubt about that. So as far as I can tell, you know、um, you know、um, actually we spent like a year, the first year of Dalfus International, just doing feasibility study,、uh, talking to、uh, different stakeholders in this industry. Because at that time. At least the、uh, alternative protein、uh, kind of concept is still a very new concept in China. Although China has a long history of uh, uh, you can call it plant-based or mock meat kind of uh, uh, you know cuisine,、uh, so and and Chinese、uh, consumers are used to you know the 
um, on their plate, right? So they have both meat and 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 vegetable. Yo hun yo su, right? Uh, kind of like a mixture, right? So now, uh, so they and 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 you know they have been eating tofu or tofu based products for a long time. So you know the, the question we often we often get from uh, some of the consumers or some of the stakeholders we uh, we talk to in China is you know what's what's the difference right between uh tong you know ch- traditional plant based yes, food yeah. uh, in China and what are you trying to do? So uh, I think you know we we have been trying to uh, we are trying to educate people about that uh, because I think the concept is still very much different and the traditional Chinese uh, plant based food is more targeting at uh, you know like a religious you know uh, mm-hmm. vegetarian vegan kind of people and these people right so mainly they are eating um, vegan vegetarian products for religious reasons um, but you know the but the the, the uh, from impact perspective, from investment perspective, the, the the market we are targeting at is more like the Chinese mainstream consumers, especially young millennials, who are more willing to try out such kind of uh, so called we call them next generation good food products. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I think I think you know the the uh, like I said you know based on you know what consumers are looking for you know taste, price, and convenience. So we very much encourage our invested companies to focus on get getting their product right. Uh, you know, and also then, then the number two thing is they need to, uh, uh, figure out how to, uh, uh, advertise, market their products in, uh, in, in a appealing way, uh, it, it, especially in a way that is appealing to, uh, younger generation consumers. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, I think about the, the, vegetarian restaurants I've been to in China. Some of them are quite good and quite quite high end at times. Right. But many of many of the the dishes they have and particularly the more Buddhist oriented ones, you know, they have these mock meats where, you know, it's an attempt to sort of simulate uh, you know, beef or chicken or even shrimp. So, uh, right, right. And from what from what I understand actually with the sort of additives and all kinds of things, those are not an oil. Those are actually not that healthy. Uh, and I think from what you're saying is, you know, there's a health dimension, important health dimension to your business model as well. And I'd love to yeah. hear more about some of the companies that you've invested in and like what some of their products are and how they're trying to target consumers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think you, you're, you're right on. I think health, lifestyle, uh, nutrition, other things, you know, uh, Chinese mainstream consumers, uh, uh, especially young generation uh, consumers are very much, uh, uh, very much, uh, want and uh, when they go out to buy products like this. So, uh, I think, uh, especially young, uh, consumers, you know, health actually may not be, uh, top of their list, but, but, you know, like they definitely want to, uh, they value taste, they value, you know, whether this, the look and feel of the products, uh, whether it's something they can, you know, uh, they can take a picture of the products they, they, uh, they are eating. And, and, and shared with their friends on WeChat, you know, uh, Weibo, you know, uh, that, that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, thing. So, um, yeah, that's, so that's, that's very, you know, when we go out to, uh, uh, select the companies we, uh, we want to support, you know, aside from the impact gen we, we are looking for from these entrepreneurs, because we want to, first and foremost, we understand, uh, that these entrepreneurs want to be in this for long term. Uh, because the food business is never an easy sector, right? So especially in China, it's a food of competition. Uh, so they need to uh, compete with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the mainstream food uh, food entrepreneurs. And uh, in order to make their products or turn protein uh, products stand out, so they need to come up with the good products, but uh, 
uh, also they also need to uh, you know make sure that the the, the procession of the the, the uh, this kind of new next generation good food is is good right is positive uh, and and even sexy right <laughs> with uh, with uh, with the younger generation consumers so so if you look at um, uh, some of the companies who already invested in uh, in China uh, you know like I said you know we have done uh, spent a lot of time doing feasibility study uh, doing forums doing uh, you know boot camps you know more things on the uh, on the non profit side of things. Uh, as as part of the impact investing work we do, but but uh, after after a couple of years, you know, in March 2020, you know, we uh, we announced our first China investment in 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 a company called Starfield Food and Science Technology Limited, uh, which is a next generation food technology company headquartered in Shenzhen, a city of nearly 13 million people and a leading global technology hub bordering Hong Kong, uh, in collaboration with uh, you know Daofu's founding member New Crop Capital. Uh, New Crop Capital is, uh, you know, a, a investment specialist. Now it's called Universe. They changed their brand and name. Um, uh, so New Crop Capital uh, slash Universe uh, is a specialist in uh, investment, especially in the alternative protein sector outside China. And uh, they have invested in over 40 uh, early stage ventures in this space so far, uh, including Beyond Meat, you know who went uh, IPO successfully in May 2019. So basically back to Daofu's, you know, uh, Starfield is this first company we invested in uh, in collaboration with uh, New Crop Capital and a few other Chinese investors. And so far it's the best financed and fastest growing plant-based venture in mainland China. Um, it has raised over 20 million US dollars from leading Chinese VCs that include Matrix Partners, Joy Capital, and Skyline Capital since catalytic investment and support from, from Dow Foods. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and, and it's a very, uh, next generation, uh, kind of food, good food company, uh, because they, they are very good at design. They are very good, uh, you know, making the look and feel, uh, appealing to younger generation consumers. And, and also the, uh, they have forged a partnership with, uh, you know, uh, a good number of uh, Chinese uh, fast food uh, or, or, you know, uh, food services uh, restaurants uh, in the country. Got it. Yeah, no, I, that was one. I, I was curious about distribution. And I know sort of like both Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat, you know, sort of, you know, both went direct to consumers, but also, you know, got in major, major fast food restaurants to actually, I mean, which helps gain awareness, et cetera. And so, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about, so Starfield, but like what what actual products are they developing and is there anything special about their technology that sets them apart yeah the uh they have been uh, trying to leverage like modern technology to develop plant-based meat products mainly uh so plant-based uh beef plant-based pork plant-based uh chicken and and also plant-based seafood uh so um and they have been working with uh uh, you know, like, uh, uh, a few Chinese universities, uh, to, um, to, uh, from an R&D perspective. So, and they also have, uh, applied and, and, uh, uh, for a few patents in China. So they have been trying to, uh, different themselves from, especially from a technical product, technical technology perspective, different themselves from the traditional mock meat companies who will probably more focus on the culinary aspects of things. Uh, so, um, that way they can make their products taste more like real meat, uh, and, and, uh, and also, uh, you know, the texture 
texture-wise, you know, uh, uh, color-wise, you know, they can make their their products uh, as as close to to meat products uh, as as possible. So basically, you know, I think they are following. They're trying to become like a Chinese equivalent of Beyond Meat or Impossible. Uh, but of course, you know, their product applications are probably more suitable for. Uh, uh, for the Chinese stomach, so so yes. to speak, you know, Chinese appetite, you know, and and also there's a few uh, other companies we have invested in, you know, since we launched the the Dow Foods Incubator Initiative uh, early last year, because based on our Starfield experience, you know, Starfield approached us, you know, for investment, but actually they started uh, when they got started, they wanted to do like a restaurant chain kind of business. Uh, so, um, but we, uh, advise them to change their business model to a, like a more product centric model. So, and then we, we also provided help to them, you know, uh, in other areas, for example, hook them up with a strategic, um, uh, manufacturer, uh, and because at the beginning they did not have, you know, resources to do manufacturing themselves. And, and, uh, of course, we later, you know, hook, uh, hook them up with uh, a few Chinese investors through the boot camps. Where we showcased uh, the 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 funding team and also the venture. Uh, so based on that experience, that uh, you know, that's kind of our, the inspiration for us uh, to start the Dalfus Incubator because we and en- we understand um, we understood at the time that this sector is st- was still very much nascent. Uh, you know, uh, early stage venture they need a lot of help and guidance. So that's why you know uh, we uh, we decided to launch Dalfus Incubator. Um, we plan on doing this incubator for at least three years and, and every cohort company, uh, every cohort, and you know, we plan to do it for six months. So, uh, and, and every six months we plan on selecting, you know, four to six companies to, uh, to incubate and invest in. Uh, so hopefully, you know, uh, within three years, we can build a small army of 30, approximately 30, you know, uh, next generation good food companies that way we can work with to, uh, uh, to foster the sustainable development of this uh, alternative protein sector in China. Uh, so uh, uh, some of the companies we have invested in in the first cohort, we invest in, we selected and invest in four companies in the first cohort. So there's a, like a company called 7030, which is Shanghai-based food venture that uses a precision fermentation approach to develop ready-to-eat plant-based food and meals that would appeal to China's younger generation mainstream consumers in terms of both taste and health. Um, another company uh, called Fresh Foods is a Shenzhen-based venture that's been working on its uh, proprietary plant-based yogurt for years and potentially other dairy products. Uh, um, there is also Beijing-based venture called Mr. Raw that is focused on developing plant-based organic smoothie products for younger generation mainstream consumers. And, uh, and, and the last company in the cohort is called Wild Foods, which is a Beijing based venture that works on plant based functional protein drinks, particularly for children ages six to 12. Uh, we also invested in, uh, uh you, uh, outside this first cohort, uh, probably part of second cohort. We also invested in a U.S. China cross border cell based lobster meat venture very recently. Uh, though we are not ready to disclose the name of this company yet per our agreement with the entrepreneur makes sense yeah so it seems like you're you know spanning the gamut from you know sort of protein drinks to smoothies to you right. know, fermented technology um I, i'm curious uh, you know I, I i'd love to learn a little bit more about the sort of incubator model it seems i mean at dow ventures 
and China Impact uh, Fund, you know, similarly, you know, it was early days of environmental impact investment. And, you know, you want to sort of help build the field. And so, you know, you can do that through more than just investment, but actually have, you know, these convenings and other ways for the entrepreneurs to actually learn and come together. And it's great to, great to hear, you know, I hope that 10 years from now when we talk, you know, that, you know, the, the plant-based uh, protein will be like where environmental investment is, uh, is now. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what is the model of sort of the incubation and, and acceleration? I mean, what sort of activities do you have the entrepreneurs do? And particularly in COVID times, presumably, I mean, it's mostly virtual. Uh, yeah, actually, in China, it's, it's getting better. So, uh, of course, some of the right. things we need, to, we still need to do virtually. But uh, uh, like uh, uh, the the boot camp, you know, next generation good food boot camps that we have been doing in China. Uh, we did four boot camps so far in different cities in China. Uh, we did them all like physically, uh, in China. Oh, great. Yeah. Despite the, uh, the pandemic situation, because, because in China, because, uh, you know, I think the, the pandemic situation is in better control compared with some other countries. Um, so actually certainly yeah. than the U.S. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so basically, you know, we, uh, uh, like I said, you know, we have been doing, we consider, uh, Dao Fu's, uh, uh, international law, not just an impact investing, uh, organization, right? We just, we don't just, you know, uh, you know, put investment in companies and walk away from them. So we also see ourselves as like a multi uh, platform kind of organization, uh, with impact investing as the core of our work. Uh, but, but basically, you know, when we got started, you know, we have been doing different kind of initiatives in China. Uh, on one hand, trying to understand, uh, you know, where the industry is going, trying to understand perspective, perspective Chinese mainstream consumers regarding uh, this kind of next generation good food products. But, uh, um, at the same time, we're also trying to kind of figure out a pathway, uh, to correctly do that. But eventually, you know, so, so basically we, we organized, uh, you know, forums like, uh, in 2018, we worked with China's Zhongguanzun, uh, you know, China Silicon Valley to, uh, organize a next generation good food, uh, international forum. Uh, so where we convened, you know, like, uh, uh, savvy to experience international investors in this sector to share their uh, experience and perspective with the Chinese audience, uh, including, you know, government officials and, and uh, you know, uh, state-owned food companies. Um, uh, and, and we also organized uh, in, uh, in 2018 a, a plant-based uh, food festival uh, where we convene, you know, like different kind of Chinese, uh, uh, more traditional food, uh, uh, plant-based food players, uh, to showcase their products. And we did that for two days, uh, you know, and more than 10,000 people attended the, the, the festival, plant-based food festival. So, um, then, then later, you know, we, we launched, uh, you know, uh, uh, actually in August of 2019, uh, we launched our multi-city next generation good food bootcamp initiative, first in Shanghai, followed by Beijing and, and also later in Shenzhen and, and Shanghai again. Uh, actually, uh, later last year, with the objective of convening uh, a variety of stakeholders to catalyze sustainable plant-based protein food entrepreneurship in China and help build out an ecosystem that is supportive entrepreneurs in this sector. Uh, so this is the not-for-profit work that we are doing at Daofus as part of our impact investing uh, uh, multi-platform, as we call it. Uh, so, so basically, you know, so... Um, uh, you know, we have been doing all sorts of work to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, su- with the objective of supporting uh, or catalyzing more entrepreneurs in, in this space. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we, we want to have a skin in the game, right? So that's why, you know, we, uh, 
we still are very much the, the main pathway for ourselves for Dow Foods is still the impact investing plus incubation kind of approach. And just, I mean, I know it's not been a long period of time, but, you know, you know, what's the trend that you've seen as far as, you know, pickup of this among entrepreneurs? I mean, so, you know, you know, when you started, maybe there was just a few and now there's, you know, three times that. I mean, I'm curious just what, what, what your sense of the trajectory of the last few years has been on sort of entrepreneurs getting in this space. Uh, when we got started like four years ago, this is definitely a new sector, right? So people's concept of alternative protein products, at least, you know, the kind of product we're trying to promote at the time was still very much confined to, you know, traditional Chinese mock meat kind of products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, but, but through the work uh, in the first few years we did, I think more and more people are starting to grasp this new concept, uh, you know, in a way that we would like them to understand. Uh, which, which is good. But, and, and also, um, uh, Beyond Meat, uh, went IPO successfully in May 2019. That helped a lot, actually. That's kind of a turning point, as far as I can tell, in, uh, uh, in this, uh, for this sector. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, um, the investors, the, the, the entrepreneurs, people from the mainstream business community were starting to understand more quickly, right? So what we are trying to promote. And, and that's, that's, that's a big turning point. And, and from then on, I think the, uh, the Chinese media, the investor community and, uh, and, uh, you know, some of the entrepreneurs were starting to pay serious attention to what they can do in this space. Uh, and we got approached by a lot of, uh, you know, Chinese investors, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, trying to, you know, either get our support or just trying to get, uh, get educated uh, about this uh, new sector. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, and, and gradually, you know, and, and then we later we invest in Starfield and Starfield, you know, the timing uh, of investing in Starfield is very good. And, 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 um, uh, uh, Starfield, uh, you know, uh, uh, attracted a lot of investment capital from some of the leading Chinese VCs. And, and that's also a good story that, uh, uh, that inspired, you know, more entrepreneurs or younger generation entrepreneurs to, uh, uh to join this game, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and of course, you know, with the boot camps we did in different cities in China that, uh, also helped inspire young people, uh, more and more young people to, uh, to become entrepreneurs in this space. Uh, you know, especially, um, uh, the kind of entrepreneurs who not only saw this as a business opportunity, but also as an opportunity to create an impact longer term. I'm curious also, uh, you mentioned the success of Beyond uh, Foods, you know, uh, or Impossible Foods, Beyond Meat, uh, you know, with the IPO of Beyond. Um, and both, I think, ha- have been doing some work to enter China. And I'd love to hear what you know about that. I mean, I've just read anecdotally um, articles, although I have also heard that like Li Kaixing is an yeah. investor, I think, in Impossible, uh, Impossible Foods. So what's your yeah. sense about those two giants? Uh, entering China and what effect that will have on the ecosystem? Um, you know, there's two giants apparently. The uh, you know, Beyond Meat is uh, uh, already went IPO and Impossible has attracted a lot of investment dollars. So they have deep pockets, right? Compared with right. the the young startups companies we are working with in China, um, you know. So they, they also they they were aggressively looking to expand their business in China, uh, probably in different ways. Uh, you know, and, and, and impossible kind of went, uh, you know, uh, encounter some obstacle because of the, their product, right? Uh, their, their product was, you know, perceived as, as kind of GMO kind of product, you know, uh, so, so that, that's why the, uh, that's the major product, uh, obstacle the, uh, they encountered in China. 
But Beyond Meat already started their operations in in, in China, uh, and uh, um, but but so far, you know, you know, both companies, uh, neither of these companies have figured out a way to be as successful in China as they are outside China. Uh, so they still have a long way to go. But I'm pretty sure, you know, um, you know, companies like this, Impossible and Beyond Meat, because they have deep pockets, the uh, they have been doing this for a long time, uh, so they have their roles carved out as far as far as China is concerned. Uh, I think these companies will uh, help uh, educate the probably the the local stakeholders better uh, mm-hmm. in a way that they can see not only business opportunity and hopefully also impact opportunities coming out of this kind of supporting right this kind of businesses. Uh, so, uh, but from product perspective, you know, I, I think. My perspective is that probably some of the local um, startups uh, uh, companies will probably will be uh, better at, at executing on things in the China contact. Uh, so, you know, the, the local companies also have their roles carved out from themselves in the China market. So I, I think both because this sector, as far as we can tell, has a lot of potential, uh, growth potential in China. And so uh, there's opportunities of both uh, uh, Chinese startup companies at this point and also uh, international companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Sure. Yeah, I think certainly, like you said, I mean, given they have a lot of capital, um, you know, they're backing, they they probably have some potential to, you know, raise awareness, which is great. But I know certainly, you know, they, they would need to change their products. I think about like Beyond, you know, they, you know, a lot of it's, you know, these sausages, I can't imagine like Italian sausages going over very well yeah, yeah, in yeah. the China China market. So I'm not sure. Are, are they? Do you know if they're altering their um, their products at all, or or to try to tailor them like sort of a KFC type of model where you know you um, you really try to localize the the offering? I think long term they need to do that. You know, but right. uh, whether they are in a position to do that already in China or not, uh, that's still a, a big question. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of awake you know, way to see kind of attitude regarding this kind of uh, um, China adaptation they need to do, right? But I'm pretty sure longer term, they will figure out a way to do that. Uh, It just, you know, but, uh, you know, I think one of the key challenges as far as uh, the food sector is concerned is that uh, product applications, because, because, you know, there's such a greater diversity of product applications in China, right, for alternative protein uh, uh, Mm -hmm. ventures or, or companies. So they need to figure out, you know, when they go to different geographies in China, uh, when they, uh, you know, uh, uh, try to apply their products in different applications that are more acceptable, more appealing to Chinese consumers, they need to figure out how to do that better, uh, how to do that more, uh, uh, also cost effectively, uh, in China as well, you know, because, you know, like you said, Chris, I think the number one, um, number one challenge for alternative protein ventures uh, at this point uh, for both Chinese and international companies still consumer awareness. The mainstream consumer awareness of this kind of novelty product is still far from being there. Yeah, so I think it's good for both international uh, players and Chinese players to work together. Uh, all stakeholders who are interested in promoting this sector to work together to create that kind of awareness first. And, and also, uh, the, the kind of awareness to the extent that, you know, this sector is here to stay, right? So people want, you know, uh, the kind of awareness that when people, the consumers go out there, either grocery stores or restaurants, they already have something in the back of their mind, you know, this is something, one option I can look at, right? So I want to see whether the menu has such an option for me or not. 
uh, whether the grocery has such an option kind of uh, for me or not from a product product perspective. I think that kind of awareness is very key. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, you mentioned this before, I mean, given how sort of extensive the use of tofu is in China, I mean, I think that that's, you know, that really bodes well for alternative meats. I mean, I know in the U.S. tofu has very small penetration. I know a lot of people that actually, you know, they're disgusted by tofu and people don't like it or even sort of soy milk they will sort of shy away from because because of this sort of bad concept of tofu. So I think that's a, you know, potentially a really good you know, indicator that, yeah, that yeah. Chinese consumers are interested in other types of yeah. Uh, it's also a double-edged sword, I would say, because since China already have um, great acceptance of tofu or tofu-based products, right? So the question you often get is, I mean, what your products can do differently than tofu-based products, right? Uh, you know, in right. terms of taste, in terms of nutrition, in terms of health, you know, uh, different kinds of factors the, uh, they need to consider. Uh, so, uh, but, but there, there is a difference. And, and I think, you know, alternative protein products, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, at least from our perspective, they need to have this kind of displacement effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, you know, by extension, the kind of environmental impact we would like to achieve. So, you know, we would like, you know, the alternative protein products to displace the meat products, not the tofu products, right? right. <laughs> On the Chinese mainstream consumer's yeah. place. So I think that's, that's kind of the, the end game we, we're looking at. So how how to get to uh you know to achieve that goal uh that that's you know what we are working with the entrepreneurs to to figure out along the way but but at the end of the day I think is is product 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 yeah yeah right I I don't want to go sort of yeah too deep I guess into the different technology sure. behind this yeah, but I yeah. but you mentioned a couple sort of interesting things I'd love to learn a little bit more about I mean so certainly you know some applications are plant based um, you also mentioned that your new investment is cell-based. And so I'd love to learn a little bit about that difference. And then also you mentioned that Impossible Foods, you know, run into problems in China because it's sort of GMO-based. So, you know, I'd love to hear just about how the different, in some ways, technologies of the ingredients affect the end product. Yeah, yeah. uh, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, I wouldn't personally classify Impossible uh, impossible foods products as, as GMO because the different people have different understanding of what GMO entails, okay. right? But, uh, impossible, uh, does use, uh, an ingredient called heme, right? To mm-hmm. make, uh, especially make their products look like real meat products. Uh, you know, so, um, that, that part is considered, considered GMO in China. Uh, so that's, that's why, you know, the, the, uh, have encountered this, uh, major obstacle, uh, in, entering the products into the China market. Yeah. Uh, that, that's as far as I know. Uh, so, um, I think for cell based to back to your question about cell based, I think cell based is probably even a longer term kind of, uh, uh, game, uh, because, uh, you know, cell based, if, even if you look at a U.S. markets, if you look at what some of the U.S. based, uh, cell based meat, uh, companies are doing, they're still very much still in the lab. Uh, the cost of, uh, developing the products, you know, are still very high and, uh, uh, and they're far from being able to commercialize their products on a wider scale, right? Uh, in, in the market. So, um, so that, that's still going to take time, not to mention China market where we want to uh, also want to uh, support some of the cell-based ventures. So that's why actually the, the main reason why I invested in a U.S. China cross border cell based lobster meat venture, uh, instead of a, you know, a China based, uh, cell based meat venture simply because we think, uh, it's probably going to take a longer time 
for China to be there. I think China is also having a kind of wait and see attitude. They want to see, you know, what the U.S. market is going to do in this space uh, from a policy perspective, from an investment perspective, from a product perspective. You know, then then they, they can learn from the best practices and, and adapt them to the China context. So so. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, so I, I, we, I do think that, you know, for cell-based uh, meat products, also China has a lot of potential. And once China, um, you know, especially the policymakers, you know, the, uh, the, the, the government side of the stakeholders, they realize that, you know, cell-based meat is the, is the long-term direction they need to pursue for China. And they, they probably can quickly turn around and come up with something that, uh, uh, you know, make more people who, uh, you know, especially entrepreneurs, um, who want to join this, uh, uh, join this game as, as well. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, last question I have for you, you know, just a very general one, uh, you know, any sort of advice you have for entrepreneurs wanting to break into the China market, um, you know, it could be in the, you know, alternative meat, uh, impact space, really sort of any, any, uh, space you're interested in talking about. Uh, you know, because we are impact investors, so we very much uh, value the impact DNA or impact gene of all the entrepreneurs or companies we would like to support. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if you want to, uh, uh, for both Chinese companies and also for international companies, if you want to do something, uh, longer term in China, uh, so it's probably better that, you know, you have something that is driving you to do it in China beyond uh, fame and fortune, right? I, I think that's that's what what is going to make. Uh, actually, if you look at all the successful businesses, uh, you know, uh, look at the founders, they all started to doing uh, to do what they what they do. You know, you know, uh, driven not just by fame and fortune, right? So there might be something else, right, beyond themselves that is driving to do uh, what they do. Uh, so I think that's key. And uh, as far as China market is concerned, I think for international companies, you know, they need to have patience. They need to uh, they need to understand if they want to be successful in China, they need to adapt their products, adapt their way of doing things, probably more based on the China context. And and number three is is, is people. I would say, you know, you need to find the right people uh, to do the right things. You know, for us, you know, it's all about find, finding the right uh, founders, right? The founding team with the right DNA to do what they do. Uh, and for probably international companies, international uh, investors, they need to find the, the right people, right? Right, you know, Chinese people uh, who know how to do, you know, who have the uh, integrity, who have the ethic, business ethics, but at the same time, who know how to uh, adapt things more in a way that is more suitable to uh, uh, to the China context with China market. Thank you very much, Tao. Really learned a lot. It was great to hear about you know the alternative uh, protein market in China and how you've been involved in, in growing that. So thank you so much for joining us on China Corner Office. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. And thanks for giving me this opportunity to share my experience and perspective as impacting China-focused impact investor. Thanks for joining us on China Corner Office. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Marquis, Kaiser Guo, and Jason McRonald. Did you enjoy the show? If so, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to the feed for alerts when new episodes are published. See you soon.